0: Forgiveness. What does forgiveness look like? I know for sure that I harbor bitterness in my heart towards a lot of people. Maybe sometimes I hold a lot of unforgiveness for people. It's almost like a sack of potatoes. That's what unforgiveness is like. Just when you think that you're free from. Some of the struggles of life, you're really not. For you carry around shame. And all the things that we carry around keep us down and hold us down and and it gets heavier and heavier. Something like resentment. Resentment is unforgiveness. And so I know that in my life and in my heart, I hold on to these things. It's almost like a sack of potatoes. I struggle with unforgiveness. Like, for example, generalization or just a sense of being unforgiving or bitterness. Man, this bag's getting heavier. Anger, deceit, and control. Man, a lot of times we hold on to these very things that that destroy our relationship with people. Disrespect. You know, when you have disrespect, I mean, I can't stand when people disrespect. I don't want to forgive them. Hey, you didn't respect me. I'm not going to respect you. What kind of person do you think you are? Listen, I have earned your respect. I want your respect. Well, can't respect us because I'm holding on to Lust. I'm carrying around this this heavy bag, and you know, sometimes it's not just the lust, it's generational sins, it's ancestral sins that I hold on to, kind of like a father that's hurt me, a family member that's hurt me. It's rough. I mean, it gets heavier and heavier as you hold on to the very things that 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 destroy your very character, like ill will or abandonment. You know that feeling of feeling abandoned, man. But see, there's power in that because, listen, my mother abandoned me. My father abandoned me. My, I mean, come on, I was a good kid and they just they deserted me like that. Well, I have every right to claim these things. I have every right to hold on to them. But the problem is this. The bag just gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. Sometimes it's money and sometimes it's manipulation. The very things that people do to us. Pride, All these things destroy who we are in Christ. And it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier to the point that you lose perspective. Maybe there's been abuse in your life that you can't forgive somebody or maybe slander to the point you just think, man, it just I'm going to hold on to these things and I'm going to it's just going to get easier. But it just gets harder for I mean, come on. Why did my parents divorce? Why did I have to go through divorce? But, man, I can't forgive them. Do you understand what they did to me? Do you understand that unpaid debt and the way people owe me money? Forget it. I am not going to forgive them for that. And so, therefore, I have to hold on to my bag here and, uh, you know, hold on to the the sack of potatoes and all the the things of gossip and lies and the very things that that weigh you down. Sometimes we even do this. I didn't know a 10 pounds sack of potatoes could be this heavy. But what about broken promises? What about the way people judge us? We hold on to these things. And you know what we do? I'm going to bring them to the pulpit with me. Better yet, hold on a minute. I'm going to sleep with them. Why can't I sleep? This is getting rough. Hold on a minute. This is uncomfortable. Wow. I didn't realize that unforgiveness claimed its space and place in my life. Why is it that? I hold so much resentment. Why is it that I have so much pain that I go through? We realize that everywhere, everywhere you go, everything you do, you hold on to the very thing that hurts you. And today, I want to finish or continue this series on turning towards forgiveness Imagine after a while when you hold on to that sack of potatoes it starts to rot they start to stink Imagine carrying those same potatoes And adding new ones to them every single day of your life since you were a child. Because you knew that by holding on to the very thing that empowered you was the very thing that hindered you. Unforgiveness. Month after month. Year after year. And after a while those heavy potatoes of unforgiveness will start to really weigh you down. They will become harder to bear. And for sure, they will cause you to stink. And church today, I believe it's time in our life that we let go and we let God. There's a time in our life where we realize the importance of letting go of that sack of potatoes. A few months back we bought some potatoes. I love potatoes. And if you go to Bob Evans, you can or uh, Acme or Giant Eagle, you can get the container from Bob Evans that is like real mashed potatoes. But there isn't anything like a delicious, whipped, creamy, buttery with milk in it, salt and butter, luptuous, delicious potatoes, mashed potatoes. (laughs) Mashed potatoes. Today is our third Sunday in Lent the season during which we prepare to relive the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to reiterate my challenge to you today, or my challenge from last week, and then I heard some feedback from so many. During the days of Lent, we would give up noise, and we would find that quiet, solitude place, that place where we can get alone with God, that might enable us to hear the voice of God. It was great to get emails and texts and phone calls back that said... For the first time in my life, I spent my quiet time. You challenged us to do it in the car, and I prayed, and God gave me a verse, exactly what I was going through. You know why? Because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Because why? Because it is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And the reason why you heard from God, because you claim it every week, that you will hide His words in your heart, that you will not sin against Him. Exciting, isn't it? To know that we can have that relationship with Jesus. Did you hear from God? Maybe last week it got busy and you just didn't have the time to listen to the voice of God. Rather than the voices that are around us. So our theme during this Easter season and during this season of Lent is this. Turning towards. Turning towards. Then it's a journey of repentance, and this year I want to focus not so much on the sins that we need to turn away from, but more on the life in Jesus that we need to turn towards. And this morning in this sermon, I want to talk about turning towards forgiveness. Vertical and horizontally. Turning vertical and horizontally. First, we need to turn vertically towards God and accept His forgiveness offered to us. And second, we need to turn horizontally towards each other and choose forgiveness in our relationships. And today I want to talk about both of them. Turning towards God. Turning towards forgiveness. Forgiveness. So vertically, so what does that look like? So I, I was thinking about this last night. Do You know when mini blinds first came out, I, I got a little confused because I was like, okay, I need a vertical blind or a horizontal blind. No, it's a horizontal blind. It's a vertical. What is vertical and what is horizontal? Okay, maybe I didn't do too well on all my diagrams, but I'm just telling you straight up, I was having some difficulty. Every time I went, I'm like, I just need a mini blind. I know, but but through this study here, I want to show you the difference between Vertical and horizontal. Vertical is this. (laughs) I know, it's all right, little dude. Vertical is this. Where we do what? We look towards God. If we shall confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's vertical. So now we're in a place where we're looking at the face of God horizontally is this that we're turning towards something and we're going towards that and we're looking at others and why did I say we're looking at others is because it's one or two things one because you never want to forgive them because you want to harbor all the resentment that's in your heart and in your life or two you claim today I'm going to forgive that other person So let's read together in Psalms chapter 103, Psalms 103 of David. And I believe that when we look at this, you're going to start to see the vertical perspective of what's going on here. Now watch closely when it talks about having that intimate relationship. I'm thankful that I'm with God. Am I okay? That as I walk with God, I know that there's forgiveness found My Savior. Let's read this together because even David went through some sin in his life, harboring sin. But yet he writes this Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Different from many of us, huh? But it says he has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Now we look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and it is place remembers no more. Verse 17 says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On those that fear Him and His righteousness to the children's children, to such as keep His covenant and to those who remember His commandments to them, the Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord. All of you hosts, you ministers of His. Who do His pleasure. Bless the Lord. All His works. In all places of His dominion. Of His habitation. Bless the Lord. Oh my soul. Let's pray. Father, thank You for today. Thank You for the next few minutes as we look at harboring un forgiveness father help us to turn vertically as we come before you to ask forgiveness ask for freedom ask for deliverance ask for victory to deliver us from the things that we've been harboring god it's difficult much like the sack of potatoes that sits in the closet and starts to grow roots starts to grow, yet starts to rot and stink. It starts to come inside of us and the bitterness starts to creep up. And before long, Father, our fellowship is abandoned. And instead of us getting better, we're now bitter. And So, Father, we thank You that we can come before You vertically and seek Your face, not Your hands. But, God, know That from the throne room of the kingdom of God, your grace is sufficient for thee. So, Father, today, bless this word. Teach us your truths. In your holy name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me break it down for you. Wouldn't you just like to turn to God like that? Wouldn't it be great just to turn to God like David turned to him? Let me ask A pointed question, or maybe even two questions this morning. Have you experienced the forgiveness of God? Have you turned towards Him, allowed Him to embrace you and take your sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west? Listen to this. From a man named Oswald Chambers. Listen closely. I believe there's some deep truth towards this. Here's what it says. We trample the blood of the Son of God if we think we are forgiven because we are sorry for our sins. The only explanation for the forgiveness of God and for the unfathomable depth of His forgetting is the death of Jesus Christ. Our repentance is merely the outcome of our personal realization of the atonement which He has worked out for us. It does not matter who or what we are. There's absolute reinstatement into God by the death of Jesus Christ and by no other way. Not because Jesus Christ pleads, but because he died. It is not earned, but accepted. All the pleading which deliberately refuses to recognize the cross is of no avail. It is battering at a door. Other than the one that Jesus has opened. Our Lord does not pretend we are all right when we are all wrong. And the atonement is the propitiation whereby God, through the death of Jesus, makes this unholy man holy. Wow. In Acts chapter 4 verses 10 through 12. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Let it be known to you all, and to all the people of Israel, and by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by Him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by your builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by where we and which we must be saved. You see, there is a way to be free from guilt. And turning towards God's forgiveness, you'll see here that there is a way to be free from guilt, from condemnation. From hopelessness and from slavery to the things we do that wreck our lives. and church today, the only way to do that is to turn to Jesus. And accept the forgiveness offered and promised. Vertical. Turning towards Him. Understanding that there's no other way to be free from a hurt, a habit, a hang up. The pain, the heaviness that we carry is all nothing if it isn't for Jesus Christ. He's the one that brings hope to our hopelessness. Number two, turning towards forgiveness in our relationships. Turning towards forgiveness in our relationships. I said there were two dimensions involved in turning towards forgiveness. The vertical dimension of accepting God's forgiveness, which we just talked about. And horizontal dimension of turning towards forgiveness in our relationships with one another. Pastor, where are you going and what are you saying here? I'm saying I've lived my life. Living a life that when you pick up the cross of Christ. Church, I'm here to tell you that when you pick up that heavy cross of Christ, do you know what that is? It says the cross was despised and rejected of men. It is not a place of glorification. It is a place of repentance. And the only way that you'll ever have a deep, deep relationship with Jesus Christ is to go to the foot of the cross and find that there is power in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance and forgiveness at the foot of the cross. I want to take us to a place of the cross. Now, every year at Lent, when I go back and reread the gospel stories of the crucifixion, I never cease to be amazed at the simplicity with which the story is actually told. Very little elaboration. No detailed descriptions. No Hollywood musical crescendo to heighten the tension. Just the f- plain facts of the story. And I want to read that for you today. And It's in, found in Luke, if you want to turn in your Bibles. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And I want you to just stop and I want you to reflect on what is forgiveness? What is it like to harbor all the hurt and pain and the offenses that people have done to us without forgiving them? Do you know we're churches full of bitter, angry people? Because we don't know how to forgive I was talking with my wife this morning, and I said to her, I said, you know what I find that, that pains me? is that I can see it on people's faces. I can see how they harbor that bitterness. You see, and, and I realized that, and that's why it was amazing. When I opened up the bag of potatoes today in my office, you could smell the potatoes. That have you ever smelled a rotting bag of potatoes? Have you ever seen a rotting Christian? A person... That is, in so much pain and anger and resentment and unforgiveness that they don't even want to go to church any longer. And the church is the bride of Christ. The church is where I meet him. Listen, I can't meet him on my couch. I'm just saying. St. Mattress and St. John has nothing on the sanctuary of prayer and praise. I'm just telling you. People could say, oh, but pastor, listen, you're making excuses, and that's what we do, and that's how Satan continues to do that in our lives, to make excuses. I'm thankful that when Jesus picked up the cross, that he picked up the world and the sins of the world, and he died for humanity, he died for each and every one of us, and we get to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the pain. And the crucifixion of the cross. And in Luke chapter 23, follow with me in verse 1. It says, Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people teaching throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee to this very place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see Him, because he had heard many things about Him, and he hoped to see some miracles done by Him. Then he questioned Him with many words, but he answered Him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused Him, And Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. that very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been in enmity, the enemies of one another. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed... Having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him of. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus again, called out to them, but they shouted and they were saying, crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, why, what evil has he done? Have I found no reason for death in him? I will therefore chastise him and will let him go. But you see. They were insistent, demanding with loud voices that Jesus was to be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, of Syrian, who was coming from the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people who followed him and women who also mourned and lamented him. But watch. Watch, church. Listen closely. But Jesus turning to them. Listen, He turned to them. He looked at them. He horizontally turned towards them. And here's what He said. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for Me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and the breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? And there were also two others. Criminals led with him to be put to death. And you see, when they had come to this place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals One on the right and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Oh, but the words of Jesus. Here's what He said. And may we learn these important words. He said, Father, forgive them. Oh, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. And they divided His garments and cast lost. Here I want to take us to a place. Read even in verse 32. There were also two others. Criminals led with Him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified Him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided his clothes and cast lots. We talk about turning towards forgiveness. Let us look to Jesus as our example. He is being crucified. Listen, church. He's being tormented and crucified. Yet he forgives. He's being spit upon. He's being beaten. Yet he forgives. Praise that those crucifying Him might be forgiven. Church, who has wronged you? In your sack. What are the potatoes and whose names are on them? And as we look at the cross and we hear Jesus forgiving. Then look back into our sack. At the things we haven't yet forgiven. I ask you this morning, church. What do you want to do? Now, I suspect some of you will be quick to point out that that was Jesus after all. He could forgive. He would forgive. He was perfect. I mean, come on, it was Jesus. He was full of love. Perhaps that is too much to expect of us after the way we have been hurt. Well, I see that point. Let me respond with the observation that while Jesus does demonstrate a higher forgiveness, He is also forgiving. A far greater sin. You and I have been hurt. Yes. You and I have been hurt. And I understand that. You and I have been hurt. Yes, that's true, preacher. But church, I'm here to tell you today, we have not been crucified. We have not been crucified. Let me share some perspectives On forgiveness from a Bible scholar named William Barclay. He says there is one eternal principle which will be valid as long as the world lasts. The principle is forgiveness is a costly thing. Human forgiveness is costly. A son or a daughter may go wrong, a father or mother may forgive, but that forgiveness has brought tears. There was a price of a broken heart to pay, and yet divine forgiveness is costly. God is love. But church, God is holiness. It says, but God demonstrated His love. God commended His love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, least of all, can break the great moral laws on which the universe is built. Now listen, and I'm going to start to wind down here. Sin must have its punishment or the very structure of life disintegrates it. God alone can pay the terrible price that is necessary before men can be forgiven. And forgiveness is never a case of saying, it's all right, it doesn't matter. Forgiveness is the most costly thing in the world. It's hard to do. I understand, but with deep respect to Dr. Barclay, I think there's something more costly than forgiveness this morning. Unforgiveness. I think there's something more costly than forgiveness. That's unforgiveness. Nelson Mandela has famously said, Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for it to kill your enemy. Forgiveness is costly Because it requires us to let go of our right to justice and retribution Yet I believe That unforgiveness is more costly because it creates bitterness and hardness in our hearts Which then Listen to me Chokes out our life It chokes us out And I understand that and I know that forgiveness is hard I've seen the hurt, which is very deep. I know the wounds and have felt some of the same things myself. But it sets us free when we forgive. We found out that we can start to live again. That we can find joy again. That we can love again. As hard as it is, that is certainly something worth turning towards. And I'm going to leave you with this point. Forgive to be free, forgive to be free. I want to read this list of what the word of God has to say in Colossians chapter three, verse 13, it says this bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do it. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 it says this Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice Be kind one to another, tender hearted Forgiving one another Even as God in Christ forgave you Then he says in Luke chapter 17 Take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you, rebuke him And if he repents, forgive him and if he sins against you seven, if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, "I repent," you shall forgive him. Then in Mark chapter eleven verse twenty-five it says this: And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Then in Matthew chapter six verse twelve. And we know that as the men went through the Lord's prayer and he told the disciples pray in this manner. In that Lord's prayer, I want to expound on verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For it says in Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And in verse 15 it says this, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Church, it's time today to forgive. I understand that forgiveness isn't a natural thing. Forgiveness isn't a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. So this morning, If I were to give each one of you a potato, and you can probably guess what comes next, that it would symbolize the wrongs that have been done against you, which you have not yet forgiven, and you were to write them on your potato. Now imagine taking the potato home. And I know that Acme had a great sell today, but I decided not to grab all those potatoes so you could take it home because I know you could do this, it's a great visual. And I want you to decide what you are going to do with all those wrongs that you're harboring. With all the hurts and the pains and the wrongs. This morning, church, it's your choice. My prayer for all of us is that God would so overwhelm us with his forgiveness as we saw in Psalms, chapter 103. That we would have the courage to extend that forgiveness to others. And I want to say something to you this morning before I close, because for many of you, maybe you don't know, but it was back in 1947, almost two years after the liberation of Auschwitz. Corey Tamboon, a survivor of that terrible concentration camp, she stepped forward in a German church and ahead and asked God to use her words. And here's what she said. She said, "God, use my words." To bring about healing, to bring about forgiveness, and to bring about restoration. And she stepped up on that platform. And as that dear lady who watched her loved ones get beat and killed and murdered and abused, as she was sharing her story of deliverance, of forgiveness. Of restoration. That German church was packed full of people. And Cory Boom saw a man who got up from the back because she said, The only way that you will ever find forgiveness is through Jesus Christ. And I understand that forgiveness is not a natural thing, it's a supernatural thing. So here she was, and the man makes his way all the way to the front. And as he makes his way to the front, that soldier looked her in the eye and said, Hi, Corey, I need to ask for your forgiveness. And she said, For what? He said, Well, I was the one that beat and murdered your sister. And I'm coming forward to ask for your forgiveness. I know you saw it. You witnessed it. You were there. But I have since become a Christian. And I have to be free from the pain that I've harbored in my heart. I need you to forgive me. And as Corey was standing before this man she said, I had my hand down to my side and the man looked her in the eye and she said, with everything that I had within me I did not want to forgive that man. He destroyed my family. He whipped and abused and murdered and raped my very sister that I love. What kind of forgiveness is that? And the Holy Spirit took her right back to the very beginning when she said, God, use today. Help me to restore, to allow people to heal and understand what forgiveness is all about. And she took her hand and she placed it on his. And she started to weep and she said, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And the man embraced her. And here's what she realized that day. That forgiveness Starts with the heart. Forgiveness starts with the depths of our heart. And if you're harboring unforgiveness, if your life is heavy because of the stuff that you've had to endure, today you come to this altar, you claim it, and you say Jesus You went to the cross of Calvary. I'm relying on you today. I'm depending on you today. I have freedom today, and I claim it in the name of Jesus. I'm letting it go. And that man walked away. Can you imagine the freedom he felt? Because someone said, you are forgiven. Let's stand as we pray. Father, we come to you today. Claiming that for many of us. We've been holding on to a sack of potatoes. That have caused us to be bitter instead of better. God, today we ask that. Much like. Corey Tim Boone. That we'll learn what forgiveness is about. We'll claim. What forgiveness is. And thank you, Father. That we can come. That vertically we can come before you and seek your forgiveness. Father, maybe we've wronged somebody. Father, we come before you today and we ask that, Father, you'll forgive us for what we've done. Father, we let go of the pain of our upbringing, the pain of our past, the pain of our relationships, of our marriages. And God, we give them to you. God, today we forgive those people that we have felt like we just can't forgive them. Father, I realize that when you forgive, that we get to walk hand in hand with with God. Father, I realize that when I forgive, that my wounds are healed. Father, I realize that when I forgive, we get the opportunity to ride the crest of your love and of your mercy and of your grace. God, today, we cry out to you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who knew what the sins of the world were all about. Father, today, stir within our hearts, stir within our spirits. Father, there's people in this sanctuary that need delivered, that are holding on to resentment, ill will, anger, animosity, abandonment, promises. God, let him run in freedom today. Let him claim victory in the name of Jesus. For we ask this in your holy name. In Jesus' name.